Welcome to Word of Grace, a local assembly in the Berkshires. Thank you for joining us for this time in the Word. Romans 12, 19, this is what it says. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, say the Lord, says the Lord. And remember, again, we said uh, just a little while ago that this is the Apostle Paul, and he is quoting Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. So verse 20, it says, Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. Of course, that's, that's possible apart from Christ in us, right? <laughs> if he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And then in Romans 16, uh, 19, it says this. For your obedience is come abroad unto all. I am glad, therefore, in your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good, and simple, or in other words, harmless, concerning evil. And then in 1 John 5, 1 John 5, says this. In 1 John 5, verse 1, it says, Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loves him that begot or in other words, those that, again, that were born again in Christ, loves him also that is begotten of him. I'm talking about love for one another in the family of God. And verse 2 says, by this we know that we love, see what it is? The children of God, right? When we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. And we said, uh, again, just a little while ago, we said that, that what is the thing that motivates us in our obedience? And of course, it's God's love for us. And then we also said what motivates uh, that obedience in us, as that love is manifested, that's the thing that we offer up to enemies, even to enemies. But notice where it starts, though. Where it starts is in the family of God. That's where it starts. Your love for one another. Right? So John 13... This is a, an awesome picture of love, uh, stooping, God coming down. Uh, Ro, uh, Romans 12 also uh, says this. This is another verse that just uh, came to my mind also. Uh, Romans 12, verse 16 says this. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. 
And of course, that's exactly what Christ did. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil in uh, verse 17. But again, this picture in John 13 is quite a picture. This is John 13 is Jesus knows and he's heading and he knows that he has to depart out of this world to the Father. He knows that he's going to go to the cross and that he's going to be crucified and that all, all the sin, the sin question will be dealt with and then all the sins of those that believe in him and receive him as the substitute will be dealt with. Then he knows that he is going to rise from the dead and then he's going to ascend into heaven. So this is the message that he is giving them. And it's very interesting too. In a sense, he's, he's giving them, them as his, this message. Whereas you see in John chapter 17, another great expression of the intensity of the love between the Father and the Son. He's giving this, that message, his prayer, to his Father. So he's doing two things. He's, he, he's giving us his going away message and, that, and, and he knows he's going to face, he's, he's facing the cross and he's going to go. That's the way to his Father is through the cross. And then he knows that in that love that motivated the Father to give the Son and in the love that motivated the Son to give his life for the Father and to give his life for us, is the same love that motivated him in his high priestly prayer in John 17 towards his father. So, but in his parting prayer, we see here in verse 1, it says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, remember the feast of the Passover, that's a celebration of what was accomplished in type. Well, he, he, he was going to accomplish that very thing, <laughs> the type that was in Exodus, the 12th chapter. And, and you'll see in those first uh, 16 verses, especially verses uh, 1 through uh, 13, you see that that was in type, the Passover, where the blood would be shed, those, those that uh, would be inside, and the blood would be uh, sprinkled on the two side posts and on, on the uh, lentil, and then they would be inside feasting on the lamb, and the death angel would pass by. And this is what Christ was headed to, to complete that. That's why we say all types and all prophecy are fulfilled in him. So now it says, Now therefore, before the, before the feast of the Passover, when Ju Jesus knew that his hour was come, and that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Look at what it says. Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil now, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, and he knows all of this, he's very well aware of all of this. He knows what's going to happen, he knows he's going to go to the cross. He knows that Simon, the pilferer, <laughs> He held the purse, 
and he was always complaining about who would, you know, like when Mary wasted all of that alabaster box. Well, the reason he was so upset about that was he was the pilferer. That was more money in the purse that he could take. <laughs> That's the truth. But uh, Christ knew that the whole time. And so what was on his mind? He's going to face the cross. He knows to get to the Father what he's going to go through. Mm -hmm. And he knows that one of his disciples, those that are, that are close and around him all the time, is, is going to betray him. And then in verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God. <laughs> right? The greatest love, <laughs> he was come from God. And the greatest love was going to go back to God and went to God. The greatest love had to come out from God because simply because man could not go into God because of the ruined condition that we were in. So the love of God, Jesus Christ, came out from God by himself. He could be the only one that could come out from God. But he knew that he was going to go back to God and bring so many others back with him. And then it says he, he rose from supper. He rose from supper. He rose from having communion with them. Can you imagine? God, God and humanity. God, you know, God, deity, and perfect humanity. Humanity like we have, but sinless. And he's having communion with them. And just like he does every time, we want to do it again here, but just like when we do, that's what he's doing. He's having it with us. Because we've said before in Hebrews 2.11, both he that sanctifies makes holy, and them that are sanctified, those that are holy, are all of one. And he's not ashamed to call us brethren. In other words, he recognizes the life that he's given us, that is his life is in us. It's one. <laughs> So he has communion. And after that, it says he laid aside his garments. And of course, this is a picture of Jesus Christ as he lays aside the outward manifestation of deity. I mean, it's just, when you think about it, if you want to know what that's like, if you want to have a picture of that, then picture Isaiah, the sixth chapter. Because when Isaiah is saying, when he's moaning over the fact that he's going to lose, that, uh, you know, King Isaiah died. You imagine having a king for 51 years. He died. And, and Isaiah being the patriot that he was, and so fought Israel with all of, all of its hopes and, and dreams and all of those promises and all of those covenants, the unconditional ones that were guaranteed by God. Now Isaiah dies, and he says, and he was really low, and his, his, his view was earthly because of what was going on. But then God opened it and pulled back the, the, the scene of time, and he could see. 
He said, I saw him high and lifted up. That's a picture of Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate state. And he laid aside what those angels, those seraphim, Seraph burners, that's what it means in the Hebrew, burners, neither. In other words, reflecting just the, the glory that, that he was near, that they were near him. And they were unfallen. And we've said before, two wings covered their face. They're unfallen, but in the presence of, of the glory of Christ, they're covering their face. In two wings, they, they cover their feet, which speaks of unbelievable humility in an un, unfallen state. Two wings cover their feet. And it says with two wings they flew, meaning they were ready instantly to obey him instantly, whatever his command was. He laid aside his garments. That's what that means the visible outward manifestation. That's why when, when Jesus said in his high priestly prayer to his father in John 17, verse 4, I have finished the work on the earth. Even before he went to the cross, he said, I've finished the work on the earth. I've glorified you. And then he said in verse 5, now glorify me with the glory that I had with you before. And what he's saying with that is the manifestation of that now in humanity, in his perfect humanity. So he laid aside his garments and took a towel, and that's when he put on humanity. Because in John 1, verse 1, in the beginning, the Word, and the Word with God, and the Word God. <laughs> He's deity. But then what does he do? The Word in John 1, 14 became flesh. Again, that will put on tabernacled flesh on this glory. And that's what the type of the tabernacle in the wilderness was. It was just badger skins on the outside. And in Isaiah 53, verses 2 and 3, there was no beauty in him that we, we, we would desire him. But inside that tabernacle was gorgeous, was absolutely brilliant and beautiful in its glory. And what that was speaking of was John 1, 14, when John would say, and the word, oh, the word became flesh. And we be and and the word became flesh, and we beheld him. The word became flesh, and it says, and dwelt among us. <laughs> the word. You know, the high and lifted up one in Isaiah 6. Put on humanity and dwelt among us. And then it says, and we beheld. His glory, in other words, to the world on the outside, who was he? He had no beauty, no. but we saw the glory. We saw him. We beheld him. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten Son of God. And he was filled up with all of grace and truth in his humanity. And he put on a towel. He put on humanity. And then he came to Simon Peter. Well, he girded himself, and after that, it says, he poured water into a basin. 
began to wash the disciples' feet. Do you think he knew that they were all going to forsake him, being God? And they did. In Matthew 26, verse 56, they, it says they all forsook him. Of course, and then Peter in Matthew 26, 58, followed him on a hill far off. <laughs> and uh, one of these times, we'll, we'll, we can speak on that, but that hill was self-preservation. I'm going to save just enough for me. I, I can't go all the way with him. Mm-hmm. But out of all of them, he was still following him, afar, watching the whole crucifixion, watching everything. Of course, and that's when Jesus' eyes met him. So they were leading him away in Luke 22, verse 61. And uh, those eyes of love looked at him, and that's when it says Peter, in uh, Matthew 26, verse 75, it says he went out and he wept bitterly. Because he, he, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that love of, uh, that look of love that Christ gave him, he knew they were going to forsake him. But he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel where he was girded. And then came he to Simon Peter. Very interesting. And then Peter, he, Peter, said unto him, Lord, (laughs) it's crazy, right? Do Do you wash my feet also? Then answered Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, you don't know right now. You're not experiencing what I'm about to do. But you will know after. It's going to take you a little bit, but you're going to know. And Peter said unto him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash you know, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have part with me. In other words, you can't have fellowship with me. Mm-hmm. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed need not except to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. Of course, he's referring to not all as obviously Judas. <laughs> In other words, in terms of salvation. Once we are saved, that's Titus 3, verse 5, we are washed by the washing of regeneration. We've been saved thoroughly, the whole body washed. (coughs) But while we walk on the earth, our feet, which speaks of our walk, our behavior, our conduct, makes contact with the earth, and we fail and we sin, and our feet get dirty, and that's 1 John 1, 9 what Jesus is teaching him here. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. He'll cleanse your feet so that you can fellowship with him again. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin, your sin, of course, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness so that you and First John and I and all of us in First John 1, 3 can fellowship continually with him and so that that's inhibiting the fellowship, or in other words, from you and I receiving the depth of this intimate love that we spoke about on Sunday can continue in your life. So 
So in verse 11 it says, for he knew who should betray him. That's what he was saying. But, but not all would be cleaned. Therefore said he, you, you are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, it's amazing types here. Amazing types. And we don't have time to go into them, but we will at some point. And when he was set down, he said unto them, Do you know, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me master, you call me rabbi, you call me teacher. Teacher and Lord, master over us. You're, you're master over our life. And you say, well, for so I am. You call me ma master and Lord. You call me your loving authority. That's why we always teach no man is our authority. Christ is our authority, period. Now, he's given us authority like he's given a pastor to have authority to preach the word, of course, so that we all can know and function in his authority. And that authority, obviously, is that great love. That great love that he has for us. So if I then, your Lord and your Master, have washed your feet. <laughs> Can you imagine if we did this, the church? You also ought to wash one another's feet. <laughs> For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Because I've given you the same life, I've given you the love and the authority to wash other people's feet, just like I've washed you. That's why you can do it. That's why you should do it. <laughs> So if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. And of course, how can we do them? Well, we receive his love for us. And it's, it's the depth of his love that washes our feet. And so all the way again, in verse 36, excuse me, verse 34, it says this, a new commandment I give unto you. Not like the old commandments, because the old commandments never, never gave us anything. Mm -hmm. It didn't give us an object that loved us and dealt with the law on our behalf. See, the law, which is what I was going to speak on tonight, but someone changed my message. But, uh, well, God used someone to change it, I should say. See, but the law never died. The, the law never died. It's never, ever died. The law never died. But the reality is this, that through Christ we died to it. That's the reality of it. That's why uh, it says that the law is not made for the righteous. 
But then it goes on and lists a whole list of sins and things that happen, which the law will very much point out. But thank God we are not under the law. We don't have anything to do with it. So, But we do have a new commandment. We have this new commandment. And, and he says this, I give unto you. <laughs> he can give us this commandment because his love has fulfilled it. Totally unlike Exodus 23 to 17, those 10 commandments with those over 613 statutes and ordinances that go along with it. This new commandment that I've given unto you, he says, and I give it, right? And that's what love always does, doesn't it? It gives. I give unto you. What, what a commandment, huh? What, what a privilege. I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another because by this all know that you are my disciples. You are my methodes. You are my well-disciplined learners about the intimate love that I've imparted to you. You know how to experience the truth of all the scriptures that I've fulfilled in my love to my Father and my love for you. You know how to do that. And by all, by this, this love flowing in and through you, all will know that you are one with me, the teacher and the pupil. You're one with me. And the same life that I impart through the teaching of who I am is yours. And that life and that love that, that is given to you gives you authority <laughs> to love them just like I've loved you. And that love has already fulfilled it. And it's something I give unto you And Jesus was teaching them very, very, very graphically what he, what he uh, had accomplished and being the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth in Revelations 5, verse 6. Uh, Revelations 13, verse 8. And he was a freshly slain lamb in Revelations 5, verse 6, but he was showing them in type exactly what he was going to accomplish in time and that's why it says this in, in Romans 12. This is what it says in Romans 12. And, and, and also 12, 16 of Romans. To be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Who did that? Who left the throne? In Isaiah, the sixth chapter, who put on humanity, put that, laid aside his garments, the outward display of, of God and all of his glory, laid it aside. And that's what Philippians 2 reveals. Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he was very God, Bad translation in the King James. 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It just simply means he didn't consider his deity something to be grasped and held on to in terms of manifesting it. But in this sense, he laid it aside. That's what he was doing in John 13. He laid aside his garments and, and wrapped a towel on him, his, his humanity. Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Why do we avenge ourselves? Because we have a reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant. Matthew 20, 28, Mark 10, verse 45. He came not to be ministered. Imagine entering into whatever we enter into. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. But made himself with no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and, and was made in the likeness of men. True flesh. True flesh. Not sarkikos, but sarkinos. Flesh like we have, but not sin in flesh. That's why, of course, he was never tempted <laughs> like we were, ever. And was made in the likeness of men. You know, flesh and blood just like us, without a sin nature, but just, just like us. Could feel pain, could cry. Emotions. No, knows what it like what it would would be like to be rejected, to be misunderstood, to be hated. Going through all of that, you know, knowing he's going to be betrayed, knowing he's going to go to the cross, and he wants to speak to them in John thirteen and show them something before he goes. because he wanted his life to be manifested in us so we could fellowship with him, but then that life to be revealed to others. And being found in fashion as a man, <laughs> we're talking God and a man, right? He humbled himself. <laughs> wow. And became obedient unto death. even the death of the cross. One of these times we'll explain the cross. Everything that led up to it, I'll try to anyways. Everything that led up to it and while he was on the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth and Things under the earth. <laughs> Some believe that in Isaiah 14, verse 9, where it says, Hell beneath is moved to greet you at your coming, and hell is in the center of the earth. <laughs> Very interesting. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what a picture. What a picture that is when he says that, to be a 
Romans 12, 16, this is what Paul's saying. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And then in Romans 16, verse 19, we'll close with this again. That we read in the beginning, and we'll watch the correlation. For your obedience is come abroad, has been manifest unto all. Your obedience is manifested, he said, unto all. And that's what he was saying. A new commandment. Remember we said in 1 John 5, 2, right? Remember what we read there? In 1 John 5, we'll read them one more time here. In, in 1 John 5, and this is what it says. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Right? And this new commandment that he's given unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this all know. <laughs> it will be manifest unto all. Your obedience, your obedience will be made manifest unto all. And what he's saying is, I am glad on your behalf because what a fellowship that you, you have with him. As he is loving you and you're loving him and he is loving them in and through you. <laughs> and then you heap, you're able to heap those coals of fire, the fire of God's love on them. So, Father, we thank you for this impromptu um, little time we've had in the Word. We just thank you for all the types that are in the Word, how much there is to learn, how much there is to receive. In John 13, and Romans 12, and Romans 16, and 1 John 5, and Philippians 2, and all these beautiful correlations in, in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and how they so beautifully correlate and find their perfect place in the fulfillment of who Christ is and what he's accomplished in his so great love for us, in us, for all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening in. We hope you were blessed and God was glorified. Feel free to go to our website at awordofgrace.org for daily posts and teachings.